The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, thank you very much. Hey, you know what? We need to give the band a huge round of applause and thanks. Man, that was amazing. That was amazing. I'd like to introduce you to my wife. She is the most beautiful woman in the world, and we have been married for 38 years. Would you welcome my wife, Pam? (laughs) There you go. You don't know this, but I've been stalking you guys for about four years. Even when I heard that Matt and Laura Lawson were coming, I want you to know you guys have A-class, four-star pastors here. These guys are amazing. And uh, yeah, you can, you can clap for that. And, uh, and I've been stalking you. I mean, I'll never forget the first time that I heard that Matt was coming to plant a church. I told my wife, are they crazy? I'm telling you, Burbank is not the easiest place in the world. There's no, there's no land. There's no space. This place has got, you know, churches that have been established, but it definitely needed Story City Church. And I said, they're crazy. And uh, thank God they were crazy enough to come. And I, I know they're not here, but would you just please give them a round of applause and let's thank God for Matt and Laura Lawson and what they have done. We talk about your church all over California. What you're doing here is really, really amazing. And, uh, and I want you to know you're doing a great job. Have you, ever, have you ever had somebody ask you, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing? How are you today? You know, that, that, that question, sometimes you know exactly how to answer, don't you? You know, hey, I'm doing good. Yeah. All my levels in life are full. My relationship levels, my job levels, my love levels. Everything seems to be full. But sometimes those levels are not, are not the same, are they? Sometimes you'll be doing really good in one, right? And then you'll lose your job the next day. Has that ever happened to anybody here? No, gosh, you guys, you guys don't live in Burbank, I guess. Anybody here lose your job or have a job that you lost? You had it and you lost it. And then that, you know that feeling the next day. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. The next gig is on the way. Or you have a fight with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or they break up. You know, I, Pam and I, we've lived here in Burbank in Hollywood for about six years. And it's so funny. I can drive down the street and I can see who's breaking up on the side of the road. Have you ever seen that? that that's that conversation and that look. You know, and, 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 and you, you can see it. And, and it and, and, and how are you doing? And have you ever noticed that sometimes you just come up short? You come up at the end of the life, at, at the end of the day, and, and you're going, 
wow, what's going on with me? What's going on in life? And it all depends. It depends on the time of day. You can be doing good one part of the day and maybe not the next part of the day. But maybe, you're, maybe you've come here today and maybe you're kind of empty. This morning I want to talk about what do you do when life comes up short. And I want us to take a look at a story of one of my superheroes. Now, disclaimer, disclaimer, okay? I am a real superhero fan. Do I have any? Can I get a witness? Anybody in here a superhero fan? Okay. Marvel? Okay, okay. Star Wars? Okay. Star Trek? (laughs) Kind of lower, kind of lower. How about uh, Harry Potter? Okay. You know, this whole side is the superhero side. We're going to have a conversation today. Now, I want you to know I'm a real superhero kind of guy. And, And I have this theory that all superheroes emerged from the Old Testament. That's where they started. In fact, today we're going to talk about one. His name is Elijah. And he's kind of a cross between Obi-Wan Kenobi, can I get a witness, and Gandalf, okay? Can you imagine? And I really do believe, I believe that all superheroes started with what the Bible calls prophets. The prophets were guys, superheroes, that God brought on the scene because bad things were happening. Injustice was incurring, and something needed to be done. And Elijah comes on the scene when when there is a really, really, really bad leader in power. And it was a couple. And the name was Ahab and Jezebel. Maybe you've heard of Jezebel or heard of her. These guys were really, really, really bad. And I know you can't imagine a government where you have bad leaders, but (laughs) this is what was happening. And whenever that happened, God said, I'm going to do something about it. It's not right. God is a God who does not like injustice. And so he brings Elijah on the scene, and he's going to do something about it. And it's the, at the very beginning. And so here's the story. I want you to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings 17. We're going to start in verse 1. The words are going to be up, and we're going to be reading from the message translation. And here's how it goes. And then it happened. And then this happened. Have you ever, have you ever been in a conversation, and then, and then they go, and then this happened. And you go, what happened beforehand? Beforehand, the country was in a mess. It was financially in recession. There was war. There was, there was fighting. There was corruption. It was really, really, really bad. And the Bible says, and then this happened. Elijah, the Tishbite from among the settlers of Gilead, confronted Ahab. He's the evil king. As surely as God lives... The God of Israel, before whom I I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought. Everybody say total drought. drought. Come on, one more time. Total drought. Total drought. drought. Not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. In other words, the recession is getting ready to go into a 
depression. Because when the water dries up, everything dries up. Life dries up. So God then told Elijah, go out here, go out of here and fast. Get out of here and fast. Head east and hide out at the Kirith Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the brook. I've ordered the ravens to feed you. Uh, Elijah obeyed God's orders. He went and camped in Kirith Canyon on the other side of the Jordan, and sure enough, ravens brought him his meals, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. By the way, this is the first Airbnb. Just thought thought I'd let you know. Eventually, though, the brook dried up because of the drought. The very first thing God tells him is this. He says, you're now a marked man. You obeyed what I told you to do. You went and told the king he was a bad king, and you told him what was going to happen. The brook, uh, uh, there's going to be a huge drought, and it's going to last for several years. And once you do that now, you become a marked man. So he brings them to a, a ravine. How many of you have ever been to a ravine? I mean, a real ravine. Uh, let, me, let me describe a ravine to you. In fact, the Grand Canyon used to be just a ravine. And if you've ever been to a ravine, usually high walls that go all the way up, uh, mountain walls that go all the way up, and you're down at the bottom, and there's usually maybe a small stream that's coming through that, uh, uh, that is there. And so he brings them that. And let me, let me tell you about a ravine. A ravine is long, narrow, dark, cold, and lonely. It only gets about an hour of sunlight a day, and that's it, around noon. The word curious means cut off. So God takes him to a place, and this is a guy that likes to be around a lot of people. He's an extrovert, and he brings him to a place that is cold, lonely, and isolated. Say that with me. Cold, lonely, and isolated. Have you ever been cut off? Have you ever found yourself in a rut? I mean, that's really what a ravine is. It's a, it's a rut. Have you ever found yourself in a, in a, in a space and somebody asks you, how are things going? You're going you, you, you might go, eh, eh. I mean, you're just cut off. You may even be in a, a large group. Go to a party. Go to a Super, par- super Bowl party today. And you'll go there, but you'll feel alone. That's the way it was with Kira. That's the way it was with Elijah. And it's interesting that God provides him with a bird and a brook. The bird and the brook. Say the bird and the brook. The bird and the brook. The, the, the raven comes and he brings him morsels of food. How many of you have ever seen big black crows with, with food in their mouth? We've got, we've got a, we live in Burbank. In fact, we've got an open house today, 1 to 4, 2020 North Maple Street. <laughs> Just saying. And, uh, uh, and, and big crows will come on the, on the front lawn and they'll come and they'll have all kinds of food, leftovers. You know, it's LA. And so he's got, he, for, for a full year, he's eaten leftovers. And in the morning they come, and in the evening they come. I'm telling you, this is a Gandalf. And he, he, he's, he's, he's eating, and, and he drinks water. I mean, there's a drought. 
He's got water. And, and, he's, and he's in this cold, narrow place. And then something very strange occurs in verse 7. I want you to go back and look at it. It says, eventually, the brook dried up. Say that with me. Eventually, the brook dried up. Turn, that, turn to your neighbor and say, eventually, the brook dried up. Just tell them, the brook dried up. Now, I want you to know something. I've, I've, been, around, I've been around for a long time. I've been, I, I've, I've been married to my wife for 38 years. I married her when she was 10 years old. And, and we've been on, I've, I've been around a while. And let me tell you something. There are going to be a number of times in your life when the brook is going to dry up. In fact, sociologists tells, tell us this. You are going to experience about six significant times in your life when the brook is going to completely dry up. You're not going to you're, 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 you're going to feel isolated from people. You may lose your job. There may be no money in the bank. About six times this is going to happen. So turn to your neighbor and tell them the brook one day is going to dry up. Just tell them. Just give them the good news. Super Bowl Sunday. One day the brook's going to dry up. So what do you do when the brook dries up? You remember three things. If you want to jot them down, you can first one is this. God dries up the brook to keep me from depending on the brook instead of depending on God. Many times the brook will dry up because we think the brook is the thing that is providing for us. We think our job is providing for us. We think that our, our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend or, or my roommate or whoever it is is, is providing all my needs. We think that the government is providing my needs. Good luck there. And, 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 but, but let me tell you something. Everything in life is a gift. Number one, it's a gift. It was given to you. You didn't earn it. You got it because God gave you something. You say, well, I, I work for what I did. Well, he gave you the ability to do that. And just as easily as God can give you the ability, God will take it away. Everything you have in your life is temporary. You own a car. How many of you know your car is temporary? Some of you really know that. You're driving that beater and you're going, today may be the day. I think today may be the day. I'm also selling a car, so if you want to see me afterwards, I'll be glad to help you. But only God can be worshipped because everything else in your life is not going to last. Everything and every one is just a fact of life. But only God can be worshipped. Secondly, to move me to a better place. God never intended for Elijah to stay in the rut. And listen to me. God never intends for you to stay in a rut. Can I get a witness on that? How many of you have been in a rut and you go, man, I want out of this. I don't want to stay here. I've got a good friend. His name is Cress Williams. He's just started a new gig called Black Lightning. How many of you have seen it on CW? And, uh, and I've known Cress for about six years, and I've followed his, his uh, 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 
his acting. And I, I remember one time he was, he was giving an acting lesson, and I was waiting to have a meeting in the same space he was, so we had a few minutes to talk. And he had all of these fresh, young, dynamic people, young leaders that were there who were wanting to go into acting. By the way, we got any actors in the room? Okay. Not real excited actors. <laughs> you got any actors in the room? Okay, okay. I just, there you go. You got the part. You got the part. So, um, uh, and I was asking him, I said, let me ask you something. Does there ever come a time when an actor has to make a decision to go back home? And he looked at me and goes, oh, yeah. He said, how do you help someone do that? You know, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the person who auditions and everybody goes, they just shouldn't be here. <laughs> shouldn't be here. You know, and, and he said, yes, and, and sometimes it's the hardest conversation to have. Have you ever been there? You just know you have to leave, but you don't want to leave because you put so much energy in it. And sometimes in life, the rut can become a place of comfort, of comfort, even though it's horrible. We become codependent upon things that are not fun because we think there's nothing else out there for us. The final thing is this. When you're, when you're in the rut and the brook dries up, it is to prove that God has not forgotten me. God hasn't forgotten you. And one of the reasons why the brook dries up and we think in our head, God, why? Why'd you do this? Why did you let this brook dry up? Why did you let the job dry up or the relationship dry up or the, or the money dry up? It's because God is wanting to do something in your life and he doesn't want you to stay in the rut. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't stay in the rut. Just tell him, don't stay in the rut. It's ridiculous. So the first place is the rut. That's the first space. But he goes to a second space, and we find this in 2 Kings 17, 8, and 9. The second space is he is on the road. Let's read this verse. Then God spoke to him, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there a widow to feed you. Now, there are a couple of problems with this, if you haven't imagined it yet. First of all, he's a wanted man, and he's getting ready to go on a 100-mile journey to a place called Zarephath. Well, it, now you're, you're going from hiding to now you're open, you're public, and you're fair game for anyone who is coming around who wants you dead. Zarephath is 100 miles, it's a drought, so he's got to go through drought territory, trying to get water, walking 10 or so miles a day, trying to get where he needs to go. There's one more thing I forgot to tell you about. Zarephath is the hometown of Jezebel. Now, I don't know about you, but all of her friends are going to be there. They're going to go back to the queen and say, hey, Jezzy, just want to let you know the guy you're looking for is right here. And then to top it all off, he says, 
I have said a widow is going to take care of you. A widow. Now, I don't know about you, but a widow, a poor widow, is not exactly the kind of person you want taking care of you. I mean, God, couldn't you give me a first-class seat? Why am I sitting way in the back? So when you're on the road, let me tell you about the road. The road, if the rut is what? The rut, rut is what? What did we say the rut is? Cold, dark, isolated, and lonely. The, the road is uncomfortable and dangerous. The road is uncomfortable and dangerous. Now, three things to remember when you're on the road, if you're taking notes. Next time you're on the road. Number one, the path to a miracle is always through uncomfortable territory. If you want to see God do something, if, you're, if, if you want to see something happen, if you want your life to really count, I promise you that you are going to, you're destined to an uncomfortable road. It's never easy. Are you in an uncomfortable place right now? Anybody here in an uncomfortable place right now? Okay, congratulations. You're on your way to a miracle. The path to a miracle always goes through a very uncomfortable road. The second thing I want you to realize is this. The source of a miracle is always unexpected. The source of a miracle is always unexpected. A widow, a poor widow. Why? Why would God match Gandalf with a poor widow? Why would he match Obi-Wan Kenobi with a poor widow? The reason is this. The widow needs something, and God needs the credit. God doesn't want anybody else to get the credit, and God will always use someone or something, and this is the third thing you've got to remember, totally illogical to meet your needs. Have you ever tried to figure God out when you're empty? Have you ever tried to, 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 to try to figure out what's next? And have you ever given God hints? Have you ever said, okay, God, I've got this figured out. I, I, I think I know what we can do. I, I think you can have a rich person over in Zarephath who's going to hide me in a back room and take care of me. And when God says a widow, he goes, God, didn't you get the memo? I mean, didn't you hear what I was planning? About a year, year and a half ago, Pam and I were on a really interesting journey we, uh, we felt like it was, it was time for us to move from a wonderful church and wonderful people, Mosaic, and we were in this, this really uh, interesting place. It was kind of a rut, and I knew God, Pam and I were praying, and we just knew God was getting ready to move us, and, and so I, I got this, I got this uh, connection. I was doing consulting with a, a nonprofit group in Los Angeles, and um, and it was, it, was, uh, it was really working out. They, they approached me. They said, would you, would you please apply for this job? And I thought, wow, this is great, God. Man, you're just, you're just kind of making the way. You're opening up the door. I know where to go. And 
Then they said, would you mind filling out this application? Now, you got to understand, I'm 64. It's the first time in my life I've ever filled out an application other than an application for, uh, for school. And, 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 and I thought, okay, this is an interesting thing. Never done this before. I fill out the application. I sent it in. And then they called me in for an interview. Six months later, six months later, how many of you have ever waited for a call back? Anybody in here wait for a call back? And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of like, wait, I haven't heard anything. God, it's getting late. Finally, they call me in. Have this great interview. I go, I'm coming out and call my wife on the way home. How did it go? Great. Next day, I get a phone call from the uh, executive of the, uh, the, the, the committee chairman, and he goes, you got the job. Hands down, you're the man. I'm thinking, boy, this is too easy. Have you ever felt like something was just too easy? So we go through the process. They introduce me. They finally get down to the, the night when they're going to take the vote. The night before, the, uh, one of the persons on the team says, I don't like the guy, and he gets a whole bunch of people to come, and I lose the vote. Now, here's the gig. Here's the deal. I had already told my lead pastor I'm resigning. So I've, I've learned something over the years. Never burn one bridge until you got another bridge, right? So now the bridge behind me is burnt and the bridge in front of me is burnt. And I'm going, God, what happened? And I'm calling my wife on the way home and and, and, and there, was, there, was this, there was this thought from God that I just did not want to hear. Have you ever had that? You're in a bad place and you go, God, I don't want to hear this. And it was this, Ralph, I am saving you from something you don't want to go into for something that you want to go into. But when you're in the middle of it, it just stinks. Am I, am I talking to anybody here who knows what I'm talking about? It just stinks. And all of a sudden, I found myself on a, on a dangerous, what I thought was a dangerous road. Hey, I'm 64. There's not a whole lot of people knocking on the door for a 64-year-old for a job. They're usually talking about retirement. They're usually talking about what's your next step? Where are you going to move to? But God told Pam and I, no, I've got better plans for you. A verse I memorized a long time ago is Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It goes like this. For my ways are not your ways, and my plans are not your plans. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm going to tell you something. Anywhere God's going to take you, the path does not make sense, and where you're going to end up, it just is illogical. So here we are. If we had just come from the first space, which is cold, dark, and lonely, and the second space, which is uncomfortable and dangerous, the third space is even better. If we went from the rut to the road, now we're going to the refinery. You know what a refinery is? How many of you know what a refinery is? 
A refinery is a place where, molten, where metal is turned to molten hot. The impurities are drug off the top, and what is left is shaped and formed for the master's use. The refiner is a hot place and with high pressure. Look at verses 10 through 16. So he got up and he went to Zarephath. And as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. And he asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. And so she went to get it and he called out, and while you're at it, bring me something to eat. Now, let me, let, 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 let's, let's take this same conversation to Hollywood. I, I worked in Hollywood for six years at the corner of Hollywood and La Brea. I know Hollywood. And, and I've seen every kind of homeless person there is. You know what I'm talking about. You've, you've seen them. You don't see them a whole lot in Burbank. You see them a lot in Hollywood. And, on, and, and, and I, can you imagine I'm at a corner, I'm getting ready to go across the street, and a poor homeless woman comes up in a cart, and I turn to her and I say, hey, you got a, you got a fresh water bottle, bottle on you? Can, can you give me a fresh water bottle? And by the way, can you go get me a Togo sandwich? I mean, that would be stupid. And this is exactly what he's doing. He's seeing this widow, and he's saying, hey, can you give me a cup of water? And by the way, get me a sandwich on the way. She says this, I swear as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar, a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me, and after we eat it, we're going to die. Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said, but first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left over for you and your son. This is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out of the bottle of oil, will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends the drought. And she went right off, and she did it, and did just as Elijah asked. And it turned out, as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out, and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. If you're right now in the refinery, I want you to remember three things. Number one. Whatever I need most, I need to give away. Did you hear that? Whatever I need most, I need to give away. You need more love? Go find someone and give them some love. You need some money? Give some money. Everything you need, God wants you to give away. It's totally crazy and insane, isn't it? I remember right after I found out that I, I, I had no job and no prospect for a job, I get a phone call from Erwin McManus's wife, Kim, and she says, Ralph, we're, we're doing disaster relief in Houston. Do you know anybody in Houston that can help us? And I'm thinking, what are you doing calling me? I just lost my job. And I have no job in front of me. And God said, I want you to go to Houston. 
I said, God, that doesn't make sense. I need to be saving my money. I need to be hoarding my money. I need my ring. <laughs> you like that, don't you? <laughs> and, 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 and God said, no, buy the ticket. Go to Houston. So even before I could say anything, before anything, I bought a ticket, I went to Houston, I did all the groundwork for it, I came back, I said, Kim, I've got the place, I've got the people, I've got the church, I've got the people who have been flooded out of their houses, which by the way, have you ever seen anything like that in your life? If you ever have, you'll never forget it. And I came back, and I pulled together a team, and we went back, and we served a church, and we served several different families who had been totally get, uh, uh, gutted out of their houses. And you know what? It was the best time of my life. I had the greatest time in the world. Or I could have been sitting home sulking. Any sulkers in the room? Here's one. Right here. Right here right here. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'm a professional sulker. But I'm telling you this. When you're meeting somebody else's need, you don't have time to sulk. Just a thought. Whatever I have least of, I need to give it away. Whatever I have least of, I need to give it away. It, it made no sense. Take what you have Make some for me, and then you can have what's left. You know, one of the things my wife and I, during this time, and we, I, we both knew it, but my wife, I mean, she said, any money we get during this time, anything, God gets the tithe. Now, some of you know what a tithe is. Some of you don't. But the tithe is the first 10%. We've been married for 38 years. And I want you to know, we, we have given God the first 10% of everything God has given us. And as you can tell, I'm not famished. <laughs> God has always met our needs. Every time we see God do miracles. The final thing is this. Don't give it to give, get something Get it to be someone. Have you ever given something just thinking, mm, maybe if I do this, I'll get this. If I do this for God, God will give this to me. If I, if, I, if, I'm, if I pick up the tab for them, maybe they'll do something for me. Don't give to get something. Don't chase that. Get it to be someone. Be someone. Become a truly generous person. I want to I end by saying this. God gave me a job. He did it several months later. In fact, four months after. And during those four months, as I look back on it, those were some of the best four months of me knowing God and getting to know him in a new way. 
And I want you to know today, God is good and he will never fail you. So I want to ask you, where are you at today? Are you in a rut? Are you in a, a, a space that is, is, is just really isolated and lonely? Are you in a place right now where you feel like, man, nobody knows what I'm going through and I'm all alone? I want you to know God is getting ready to take, dry up the water so that you can get on the road. You may be on the road. You may be in a very uncomfortable place. Or you may right now be in the refinery. God may be asking you to do something that totally is illogical and makes no sense. Where are you at today? I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me and we're going to just take a moment. And I'm going to ask you to, to just have a quiet moment with God. Yesterday I was talking with someone who's right now, they're, they're in the refinery and they said, I'm just so angry with God. Maybe that's you. Maybe you came here today and you, you did not want to be here. You had to push yourself to be here. This is the last place you wanted to be. I want you to know you can't tell God anything he hasn't already heard or anything that will hurt you or hurt him. He loves you deeply. If you're here today and you say, you know, I'm in the rut, I'm on the road, I'm in the refinery, you're in one of those three categories, would you just quietly just lift up your hand all over so that I can pray for you? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, all over. Father, God, sometimes it can sound so glib that you're a good God when it feels like you're not. When it feels like you've forgotten us. When it feels like I'm in a cold, lonely place or I am in a dangerous place or I'm in a hot place and the pressure just won't let up. I pray that today Elijah the superhero would be a source of encouragement to them on the road. That they would realize you have not forgotten them. And that the things of this world will end, but you will not. You are always faithful. You are so good. You may be here today and the fact of the matter is you were dragged here. You, you don't have much use for God, but it was a boring day. You're not a Super Bowl fan, and you just wandered in because somebody kept inviting you and bugging you, and finally you said, okay, I'm here. And maybe during this time, something has spoken to you. 
You might want to call it your self-consciousness. May I suggest it might be God. Just might be God. Maybe trying to say something. Would you just for a moment just entertain that thought? And if you're here today and you say, I don't know God, but I'd like to know Him. Would you just raise your hand? You're not committing to anything. You're just saying, if there is a God, I'd just be interested in finding out more about Him. Yes. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for the person today here that is searching They want to know if you're really true. They're like the widow who doesn't serve the God of Elijah, but they've met Elijah. And there's something curious about him. Lord, I pray, God, that that person might find you. And if you're here today and you need that God, I want to invite you just to pray this simple prayer. God, I need you. That's right. That's all you need to say. God, I need you. It's a great place to start. The God of Elijah will hear you today. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory and in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for meeting every need, for these wonderful people who have stopped to listen to you today. For I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you, and you have a wonderful day. It's been fun being with you.